Hey, I'm Steve Follin. This time, what it's like being freelance for video creator Ollie Newport. Your competition is not your enemy necessarily. You have to really network with other people in your industry to be able to flourish in it. I was unable to afford a taxi home from a job that I was doing. It was a really big job. And I thought, how did I get into this position? This is ridiculous. So I decided to invest a lot of time in becoming obsessed with Excel spreadsheets. I originally got into it because I enjoyed filmmaking and now uh, I'm doing it commercially. And I don't think I'm necessarily incredibly happy with uh, creative output necessarily anymore. So we've got Ollie Newport, who's a London-based freelance camera op and editor. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, Ollie. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. So let's get started with how you got started being freelance. You're 20 years old, but actually you've been doing this for quite a while. Well, I've never actually applied for a job. Uh, I've never written a CV necessarily. I had to do this recently, though. Um, But uh, I once filled out half of a Tesco application form. But it just sort of felt like uh, I'd be giving myself a distraction. So I just decided to jump in the deep end almost. Um, I've always kind of felt like freelancing is the ideal thing for me. In fact, I've always played with cameras. I've always made films as uh, far back as any of my parents would tell you. Most of their ruined mini DV tapes um, (laughs) would attest to that from their many cameras. But uh, I went to college and that was sort of a way to mess about for two years and really hone in my skills on on being creative and making shorts and I found documentary films specifically was something I was most interested in and that's sort of coming quite useful for um, my work today because I, I, I work a lot with uh, p- promotionals and corporate clients and they want that kind of uh, uh, realistic documentary feel in, in the work um, that I'm producing for them so it was it was really good to be able to to have free time and very focused free time to um, make shorts with a lot of other creative people at the same time as well. So a lot of that early experimentation that you did through college, either as part of your course or on the inside projects, did that form a basis of a portfolio that you then went out and got work? Certainly. Uh, I think it's really important to actually have just a body of work. It doesn't matter if it's professional body of work, but just something that shows you're capable of being able to produce something um, which is interesting or, or looks good or, or it, you know, it has potential. Um, a, a lot of people actually, a, a friend of mine who's just um, quit his job um, has come to me and said, oh, you freelance, I'd really like to get into freelance sound recording. How do I do it? And it, I just said to them, either you have to slog it or you need to just produce passionate projects. So I had that, those passion projects um, from 16, 17. I, I produced a couple of documentaries which got quite noticed uh, there was uh one which uh was picked up and it went all across the world I, I was on holiday at the time and i had this really old ancient phone it's like 2011 or something at the time um this old phone and um uh, it just went crazy there was loads and loads of text messages coming through because i would get a text alert from twitter and uh, vimeo and all of these text alerts came flooding through because one of these films had um just you know gone viral to use a horrible phrase but uh it, it's uh it, it just blown up and so it gave me a lot of uh gave me something to talk about obviously um but it, it brought some uh publicity some notice to my work already so i got some emails from that and it, it's uh it's interesting if you put out something interesting like that i suppose 
you know, it's just like a publicity for yourself. So did did you find that your first actual being paid projects were coming from that or were you approaching people? How, how did you actually get into making a living from it? Um, so I, I made a living uh, primarily from just reaching out to friends so it's it's a network of of people i already knew so it was like oh does this person want this does this person want that and primarily a lot of the work i do now is in um the tech industry um so i started with shooting events for people doing uh promotional videos for people and the positive upside of having um shot events is there's a lot of people around as well so it might be 200 people in a room and there's someone there who's likely to want to um have some videos produced so you've always got that networking side as well it's very important to to just keep talking to people and be really approachable especially at the events you know you're sort of in the the heat of the moment but if someone comes up to you and says oh yeah where's this going and you know carry the conversation like yeah it's a bit like when we spoke to casey who's a photographer recently in that he when he's shooting those sort of events there's an opportunity of a lot of powerful potential people in a room. And um, because you've got a camera, you're able to get in their face already and sort mm. of break down that barrier to talk to them. Yeah, I, I heard that. And uh, it's it's definitely something you, you should you should do. I come from an interesting position in that uh, I find it quite hard to talk to people. Um, certainly, I prefer the editing side of some of my work where I can sit in a, a, a sort of a cave all day. Um and not have to talk to other people, but when I when I have to, it's uh, just kind of you come out your shell almost. Uh, you, you you sort of become a different person when you when you're in that you know filmmaker uh, camera operator. Um, you can sort of get tunnel vision. Um, am I making sense? I don't know. Um, <laughs> so so let's now move back down then. From so you left college, you you got those projects. So to where you are now, is that kind of pretty much everything or? Well, um, I went from college and um, I really enjoyed that that experience. That was really great. So I wanted a way to move to London, but I didn't have the money for it. I didn't want to raid my parents' bank accounts. Um, so I decided to go to university. But at the time, uh, a certain government had um, slightly mispromised what they could deliver and had raised the tuition fees to £9,000 a year. So this... Um, I, I think for many other young people as well, gave people uh, a cause to think for what they might do at university, whether or not it was worth their time and money, uh, moreover, if they were going to risk the debt. Um, so I went to university sort of not sure what I would be doing, but as a way of getting into London, because it's uh, for me, all of my clients are in London. It was really important to be seen to be available at short notice in London because a lot of the time you might have a project come up and it's like oh you know 12 hours two hours one minute notice sometimes so it's important to be in London for me and when I went to university I went to uh, Ravensbourne and it was totally different uh, kind of change of pace and atmosphere than when I was at college and I think part of the problem was that um, whilst I was being fairly cheeky and taking out the cameras um, from my university kit room, I-, I wasn't actually doing any of the coursework necessarily. I was too busy working on actual <laughs> live projects to um, actually finish any of that. So I ended up dropping out um, fairly quickly, about uh, five or six months in. It's probably one of the best decisions I've made. It just allowed me to have some capital, have some network. And once I'd finally managed to build up some 
contacts, it was more regular to the point where I could take that plunge and and, and not have university as a uh, sort of a support for me anymore. I, I mean, I love the fact that you were using the university equipment to uh, to basically fund the university thing <laughs> without doing the university thing. Which time I took a camera out, I thought, ah, well, you know, paying about that, that bit there, I'll have some of that. Yeah, Thank I mean, you, you were much. paying them. You shouldn't feel, feel bad about it in that respect. Where did you find that your work was coming from? Because you talked about building up contacts. But, um, uh, you know, like, did you get work from agencies? Did you, like, contact you know how did you get those clients and how do you get them now uh, i'm in a, a particularly lazy position um in which uh, i've got some really good clients who will um continue to come back the moment they don't come back uh, i'm almost screwed but um <laughs> the, it, at the moment i'm in a position where um I've got some really great clients, a photographer I work with who's fantastic, uh, an, an events agency who I work with who are really good. They're you know, very regular. And that keeps me, um, you know, above above the amounts of my um, outgoings. So, when, so, so, so basically, so far, you found that you don't need to push yourself too much because you're busy really enough bad. as it is. It's really bad. Um, I well, it's, probably... it's bad if those clients disappear. Yes, um, I, I I did find that trying to find clients sort of it was fairly difficult to to cold email people, and I stopped doing it um, after a while. I, I would go around and fish around like uh, event Eventbrite um, listings for events, and so I'd email a few people from that and see what I got back. And on the whole, it was s- sort of more hours wasted than I would um, ever get emails back for. Um, so I just I would ask people in my friend circle, and I would ask uh, my clients, and sometimes my clients would be very useful as well. I, I suppose how do you get the client in the first place is sort of what you're asking now, like oh how do I get a client to ask? Um, but it, it's I think you just need to ask people you know, anyone you know, um, to to ask people they know because someone will always know someone. I I think. No, do you know? No, do you know? It's a good point because actually, I it's something I haven't done. I haven't uh, necessarily gone to lots of people I know, and then sometimes I'll be out and I think, man, that person's actually got a pretty good job in a pretty good organisation, and they never probably imagined that I could be of use to them or to somebody they know. But actually, I should really talk to that person because a recommendation is worth a huge, huge amount. Definitely, yes. People will take recommendations. Um, uh, far more seriously than say if I just emailed you randomly, I, mm. you know. If, oh, oh, Katie says that this guy's really good, so uh, oh, I'll, I'll have a look and be more likely to to hire them. Maybe. So, how do you cope with the financial side of it? Um, be it cash flow or um, or saving or whatever. You've obviously been managing to keep afloat and stay in London, which is by no means cheap. Uh, certainly isn't cheap. Certainly isn't cheap. It's certainly doubled. Uh, rents uh, recently as well. Everything's got a lot more expensive in the last couple of years. And I, I've I've lived um, I've, I've funded uh, living in London for the last two years now uh, fairly sustainably. There was one point where um, I sort of committed the cardinal sin of going into the overdraft, and then once you're in the overdraft, everything was going downhill, and you overspend. And I bought a camera, and everything was getting quite uh, heated, and um, I just I. From that point, I, I was I was unable to afford a taxi home from a job that I was doing. It was a really big job, 
and I thought, how did I get into this position? This is ridiculous. So I, I decided to invest a lot of time in becoming obsessed with Excel spreadsheets. I think that's the most important thing I've ever done is to, to, to become obsessed with certain things. I, I get quite obsessed with certain things anyway, cameras, codecs, that sort of uh, you know, photography, film stocks. Um, but spreadsheets was never one I'd, I'd anticipated <laughs> being interested in. Um, but now I love it. Love a spreadsheet. I make spreadsheets about everything. Um, before I had no sort of, uh, hopefully no one from HMRC is listening, I had no sort of uh, expenses, listings. It all just, you know, it went went into a into a giant tin. It didn't go into a giant tin. Um, it, it just went. There was no uh, sort of filing system for this. Um, and I went through a couple of different applications to try and mediate this. So uh, I used to use something called Billings, which was a Mac app, but it was so slow and just really hard to transport to different computers. So eventually, someone um, gave me. Uh, a website called Pancake App, which is um, so incredibly useful. Uh, it's an invoicing application. It keeps all your invoices together. It's online. It works from mobile. It does your time tracking. And that's that's been so incredibly helpful of keeping all of my finances together and just, you know, allowing me to see what projects I've got left and what what uh, tasks I need to complete on them. And- so talk us through what it was that you did with your spreadsheets to get you out of that overdraft situation that you talked about well um with the spreadsheets what uh what i te- this is i can't believe i'm talking to you in depth about spreadsheets uh, <laughs> but this is it right we get into freelancing with a passion and making something and stuff like that and then we realize actually we have to survive as business people so so what was your method well um i uh, quite simply, well, quite simply before I would spend my money, not think about the tax that I would need to obviously um, give to HMRC at the end of the year. Um, I would I would spend my money because it was in my current account. And that's just the number that was, uh, um, according to my balance, was what I was able to spend. So I sort of took a, a long look and went, right, this isn't working. I need to open more bank accounts. And that will give me some sort of management system. And now I've got um, I've got one current account, one business account, one savings account, and one other account for my tax and my um, uh, class four uh, national insurance. And what I do with my spreadsheet is um, I have how much I've earned from a job in, in one thing. So I enter the total invoice amount. So let's say it's a thousand pounds. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll pull it up now, shall I? Um, it's what I call the job earnings calculator. So I love that you gave it a name. That's the job nice. earnings calculator. Yeah. Did it's, you give that a different font? Unfortunately, Google Sheets hasn't got Comic Sans. Ah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, no, Sorry, go on. <laughs> so I have, um, I've, I've, I've uh, percentaged it all out. So uh, recently, this is a new addition to the column, pensions. Turns out I need a pension because um, my state pension is unlikely to keep me uh, living, or it might not even exist. Who knows? Um, so I've got my fifty-three percent goes to my current account, so that's my profits. So that's five hundred and thirty pounds. My pension gets six percent. It could be higher, I suppose, but that's sixty pounds. In my savings account, I have eleven percent uh, assigned to that. That's one hundred ten pounds. And my taxes is a rounded thirty percent. So that's three hundred pounds. And the reason I put 30% there, it sort of gives you a lot of leeway. I'm likely to be in the 20% tax bracket and whatever my national um, insurance contributions are on top. Um, 
that um, that goes into there. And at the end, just sort of have a holiday if you, you know, you've got some money left over. Yeah. Um, take all that out and pay that in. And it's really, it's really useful because now I don't overspend because I'll only spend what I have in my current account. I'm not overspending on that. And I make sure I'm definitely not going to be out of pocket when it comes to tax day. Um, and, and all of this is something I, I wouldn't have ever dreamed of a year ago. This has all happened so so very quickly it's this is this is only this time last year that i had this sort of uh, financial arrangements epiphany this is the least exciting thing about freelancing but i've i've made it exciting because it's sort of gamifying it almost <laughs> but so do you when when a client pays you do they pay into your business account and then you on every single job do you split it out you uh, do it there right, and then right. Yeah, I, I it goes straight into my business account and then it all goes funnels out into the uh, the different bank accounts. Do you have an accountant or do you do that online? Ah, so I um actually recently had put out a call for an accountant, but um I haven't yet found one. So if you know any good accountants, I probably um am in need of one. But I don't actually know if I need one necessarily. I keep thinking that I'm doing the wrong thing because whilst tax doesn't have to be taxing it, it it is it is taxing so obviously when you were at college you were doing uh very collaborative type stuff do you find that you've built up partnerships where maybe i don't know maybe you get a job and you bring somebody else on board or they get a job and they bring you on board is that part of what you do certainly i actually um i used to be quite active in the youtube community um this uh, is not something i do as frequently anymore but via that back in the day back in like 2000 and it must have been seven eight um nine um i i used to be really into that and obviously it tails off from being a filmmaker i i would make a lot of these short little arty films uh, i hate to look at them now but um uh, I've always put my documentaries up there and so you would go to these sort of communal gatherings where people would talk to each other and they would meet and that's sort of the first flourishing into networking that I ever had and from that you'd meet a lot of like-minded people. Um, I, I can't remember, someone said to me that your competition is not your enemy necessarily, it's really good to be able to recommend other freelancers even if they do exactly the same job as you. So in in this instance, knowing another editor or knowing another camera operator is not a hindrance to you, especially when, uh, for instance, I, I, recently I wasn't able to do a job. So um, I, I had to speak to um, someone else to do it. And from that, hopefully, you know, it might come around for me. But it's it's always good to be open to the possibility of meeting the people who are in the same area as you and not seeing them as, oh, they're going to, you know, get all my, get all my money. Oh, they'll, they'll steal my clients and stuff like that. Some um, sort of slightly paranoid way of thinking. Uh, initially, I guess I sort of thought a little bit like that, but you have to, you have to really network with other people in your industry to um, be able to flourish in it, I suppose. So Sam, Sam is someone I've worked with for about five or six years now. I've known him for five or six years. I've worked with him for, around about two or three and he's just been such a great person to work with he, he you know we, we we do similar things and um we work at google um quite frequently it was it's a really crazy this is a really great story actually he okay so sam uh two and a half years ago and, and sam's an interesting one as well you should probably have him on more than me um sam's an interesting one he he slogged it really slogged it he did all the free work 
and uh, worked really long hours. He worked a month for night shoots. It was it was insane. Some of the stuff he was doing for little to no pay. And you know, there's the joke on like Mandy.com or um, Film and TV Pro where it's uh, you know, oh, these great exposure based experiences, no pay, guys. But don't worry, it's a great exposure. Well, you can die from exposure. So I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't need it. Um, he. He um, replied to one of these Mandy ads. Um, no, sorry. No, it was a Craigslist ad, which is even weirder because if, if anyone's ever looked at Craigslist, this is going heavily off topic. If anyone's ever looked at Craigslist, almost 99.8% of all of the jobs on there are, um, are smut. It's, it's, it's terrible. It's horrible. Like looking through the list of like, you know, oh, TV jobs. Oh, okay. Let's have a look. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> don't really? want to look. So, so, especially if they've got images, you don't want to look at them. Anyway, so they, <laughs> some of these, he replied to this job, which um, ended up um, being a job with a guy who later went on to work for Google. Now, do you see where this is going? He only got 40 quid from it in the end and never heard from him ever again until about October last year when um, Sam and I have been working quite um, a lot together and so we've been doing these events and then on, on on his email inbox he gets hello I'm this guy from Google remember we worked together a couple of years ago well I've got a, a, a quite a lot of jobs for you now um, and we've been working for them for about eight months now it's ridiculous like that 40 pounds has turned into a few more zeros I can tell you but it's it's interesting how you do you, you do do these really small jobs not sure where they're going to go but it's just by meeting the act of meeting new people Okay, now let's do three facts about yourself or your career. Make two true, one a lie. Let me figure out the lie. Oh, good grief. Uh, okay, so maybe you'll be able to see through all of these. Who knows? I right. doubt it. I'm terrible at this game. Okay. Um, <laughs> I created right. a game I can't do. You'll be <laughs> fine. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I, I once shot, starred in, produced and edited a series of five videos about the slow motion decimation of fruit and vegetables. <laughs> yep. Number two. Number two. Okay. Um, I once accidentally emailed a client a long-winded diatribe slagging him off. Number three. Um, I once ended up leaving a £4,000 camera on a train in Brighton Station. I'm intrigued about the fruit and veg, slow-mo decimation of fruit and veg, because you said you starred in it. Uh, yes, that's right. This was a long time ago. As a banana? Was it, like, what, was your, <laughs> what was your forte? Well, no, we, we cooked the banana on a bonfire at the time, actually. Um, this is back when I it must have been about 10, 10 years old. I, I mean, I've been, I've been editing videos since forever. Um, but... Um, this is. I remember specifically a dartboard in a garage with a photograph of Tony Blair on and an apple attached to it. <laughs> right, and then you just throw darts at it. Do you know when I was at uni, we um, we <laughs> we bought. This just reminded me. We Speaking bought of back, weird uni projects, <laughs> well, we bought. It wasn't a project, but uh, you know, if at the time we had had cameras at home on our phones and stuff, we should have filmed it. We basically you bring in your food wouldn't you and like you put it in cupboards and stuff like that and i it turned out when i was going through the chest freezer one day had accidentally put a bag of fruit in the freezer so we had loads of frozen apples 
And uh, yeah, so we started cricket bowling uh, <laughs> apples in the middle of the street, and they would just shatter. Uh, it's brilliant. Yeah, recommend. it's a bit wow. like those, you know, like the slow mo guys who um, uh, use dry ice on stuff and then smash it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit like a rudimentary person of that using a chest freezer and an apple and no one around to see it apart from us and probably our annoyed neighbours and a cat. <laughs> and the cat. Yeah. Was, no, we didn't freeze the cat. Let's just clear that up. <laughs> I was so, going to say. So that was number one. So number two, you accidentally sent an email to a client slagging them off. Who did you mean to send it to? A friend? Oh, well, you know, they've been driving me mad. Uh, they've been driving me mad. I don't do this, obviously, frequently. It was just, a, I was just, yeah, I was talking to a friend. It was banter. Obviously, it was banter. And, uh, you know, I was, I was just saying, oh, oh, this person's really winding me up. Um, oh, I can't believe, you know, the amount of revisions they've been sending me. And um, sent it to the, the the guy I was, you know, talking about <laughs> accidentally. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't insulting necessarily. I wasn't. I wouldn't insult them, but it was. It was just complaining yeah. about the work I was being paid to do. Yeah, yeah. You can't do that. I get. Yeah, I get nervous sometimes when I do that. Yes, Number it's, three. It's you left a camera on a train and a four grand's worth of camera. Yes, that's right. <sighs> okay. Um, clearly, they could all be true. Why would you? I don't think you sent the email to. The client. I don't think he sent an email to the client. Oh, you're very good. Well done. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I would never. I'd never slag a client off. So I've made this actually a positive about me. Almost, it's it's that manipulative of uh, your truth and lie system. But <laughs> oh yeah, um, sorry. Can I make it clear that I would never slag a client off too? I made it sound like I would, didn't I? But I was also <laughs> pretending, pretending to empathise. <laughs> Y- yes, yes. I'm glad we've all got our professional backs covered here. If you could tell your younger self, and obviously you're pretty young, but you've been doing this for quite a while. So if you could tell your younger self something about being freelance, what what would it be? Yeah, it's difficult. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, I, yeah, I would probably say, please implement those spreadsheets a little earlier on. But uh, more interesting would be, um, I suppose, try and find a balance between your creative work that you're doing and your commercial work because something i'm uh really uh, sort of saddened by is when i used to make short docs and i used to have time for that um now anything that um i do has to be commercial has to be you know you have to be paid for it because it's just really expensive to be a freelancer it's you know you've got bills and overheads and subscriptions for creative cloud and all of this that you need to to pay for and so if if you're not able to justify doing something properly creative something you're passionate about something that you're not going to get paid for then you're not i don't i don't think i'm necessarily incredibly happy with uh creative output necessarily anymore it's it's um it's a little sad really but yeah it's just hard to try and manage i originally got into it because i enjoyed filmmaking and now uh i'm doing it commercially and the the mere idea of producing any more films at the end of the day um it just it's it's too much to bear so i've got into photography instead feel like uh, stills it sounds like you don't have the time to do and anymore but like what casey was saying the other week he would strike that balance by doing free jobs for charities where he could because they weren't paying him he could be more creative in what he was doing for them but then also use what he then created 
as something to show to other people and say, why don't you make it like this? Like mm. it, just because it's a commercial um, job doesn't mean it couldn't be creative, you know, like this short I made for this charity or whatever. Sure. Yeah, that's a, an interesting way of striking that I, uh, that balance. Video production takes so much time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's that's why I got into photography. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good move. And I got into eating cake. So Eat, eating cake. <laughs> It's so much quicker than taking photographs. <laughs> Not even making cakes, just eating them. Just yeah, you just them. slice it up. Time management, done. <laughs> now, where can people find you online, Ollie? Ollie.fm or my, my Vimeo is vimeo.com slash Ollie with two L's and a Y, that is. Cool. And by the way, do check out Ollie's website. I, I love the, the one of you. Like, up, but were they Hong Kong skyscrapers? Or? Yeah, I've, uh, it was in Hong Kong for uh, two weeks shooting... Uh, these incredibly tall skyscrapers with um, incredibly lacklustre safety precautions. <laughs> There's a great image of you sort of like balanced on the edge of a skyscraper uh, with your camera. So like you're filming the guys who are like strapped in with their hard hats on and stuff, but you don't have any of that. And you're just perched on the... It, it reminded me of that scene from Batman. Um <laughs> It's a great picture that you've put in because, as well as showing the video, you've got photos beneath it, haven't you? Yeah, I, I I quite like having the idea of having a few production snaps, sort of behind the scenes stuff. I I, I really like that photo, and it was sort of accidental because um, the the camera it was taken on was actually shooting time lapse footage, and um, this is a really small crop of that image. It was um, there was uh, the the actual things we were filming were above it, but um, I'd just gone in shot to to film something else and uh i thought well perfect selfie timing here isn't it um but <laughs> it's nice. a very elaborate selfie ollie thanks so much uh, for chatting to us today thank you do check out beingfreelance.com for show notes from today and of course loads of other episodes beingfreelance.com you can also find us on twitter at beingfreelance and be a love uh, subscribe leave a review on itunes or stitcher whichever you prefer ollie thanks so much best of luck being freelance thank you very much thanks for having me on 